Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening today. And wow, do we ever have a treat for you with Dr. Bruce and Tony Hebel. And these guys have dedicated their life's work to helping people unlock the supernatural power of forgiveness. And they are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, You know, it's funny because forgiveness is obviously important to the believer. You know, it's a mandate of scripture. And so we know we're called to forgive. Um, Even if you're not spiritual or religious, forgiveness clearly has an impact on the well-being of the human heart and the human soul. And for people who are in recovery uh, in our program, forgiveness is a huge emphasis of our second pillar, which is healing of the heart. And uh, we really believe that for you to fully recover from parts of your past and traumas, you must forgive those who have caused offense, those who have hurt you. And you might hear that and go, that's ridiculous. Like, um, I would never, I would never forgive some of these people for what they've done to me. And if you have that kind of a response in your heart, some sort of resistance or defensiveness, it is probably because you just don't quite understand what forgiveness really means. And I can assure you, you know, the way that these guys present forgiveness, Dr. Bruce and Dr. Tony, uh, some of the details we get into makes it um, not just understandable and and kind of like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see that. It actually makes it very appealing. They have some phenomenal stories. And the breakthrough that comes on the other side when you do forgive is massive. And you guys know for me, if you've been listening for a while, that uh, working through forgiveness with my mom was a huge part of my recovery. And I, I do talk on that a little bit in the interview today. But, um, but you know, all is to say, guys, we, we really, we chose these guys um, because we believe that they're going to bring some major value to you in your overall life and your relationships. And honestly, in your recovery, if that's something you're, you're going after. So I'm really excited for you guys to just dig in uh, to learn more about these guys. They have a ministry called Forgiving Forward. Um, that's kind of the, the umbrella of all they do. It's the title of their book. And, um, and as you see, as we get in, um, they are making a difference around the world on a regular basis. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Bruce and Dr. Tony Hebel. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Bruce and Tony Hebel, and you guys have one of the coolest ministries that I've encountered since starting this podcast, uh, a ministry that centers around forgiveness. So I'm excited to dive in. But guys, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad to be here. So excited to be able to share with you and your audience. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I've read your bio. People have a little bit of a grid, and I imagine they're thinking, okay, here are these two really educated people. And sure, God calls you to kind of branch off and do your own thing a little bit later on in your careers. Why of all things have you chosen to focus on forgiveness? I'm going to guess that when you guys got your educations, they weren't focused on this subject. How did all of this come about? <laughs> no, this was never on our bucket list. This was never in our plan. Uh, I thought I would be pastor in the church all my life. And yeah. my dad was a pastor. And one of the things, I, I, I was nine when I knew I was going into ministry. Uh, and so, and I think 
you said earlier, you're a fourth generation pastor, right? So if yeah. you're, you're going to follow in the line of your father. You're going to watch your father, you know, pay attention to what he does. And if your son's following you, you want to mentor him and show him and, 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 and get him above your shoulders and help him to go to the next level. And that's kind of the relationship my dad and I had. And I noticed something about my dad growing up is as a pastor, he got hurt a lot mm-hmm. because sheep bite. <laughs> they do. They sneak up behind you and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit. And so I watched my dad get hurt a lot. And I said, I'm not going to make the mistake, same mistakes he made. I'm going to do better than him. I'm going to learn from him. And I'm not going to get snuck up on like he did. So I go to Bible college. I meet Tony. We get married. We go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. I get that confused oh, yeah, a lot. Right. <laughs> and uh, get trained by some of the most significant godly leaders on the planet poured into our lives. And uh, we went into our ministry well-trained, well-equipped, and got bit hard hmm. multiple times so through multiple places over many years we got hurt deep wounds uh, do, you mind, do you mind sharing what what some of those were because I, I i imagine people would be curious and i i i can totally resonate um you know i saw my dad can. get bit as well um <laughs> and admittedly when i was nine i was deciding that i never wanted to be a pastor uh so we were a little bit different on those fronts but you know yeah. um but i i saw him go through stuff i guess i'm just curious as as much as you're comfortable sharing Sure. We experienced uh, multiple times betrayal, strong betrayal, like Judas kind of betrayal, literal, I'm your best friend, I've got your back. And then, you know, there was things going on without us knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kicked out of, mul- of many places with no reason, like literally no reason. You just don't fit here. We don't want you here. Um, just or there was jealousy issues. Um, we had one of our children molested by a church member. And that was big deal and had to go through the court system and all that. And he was trying to pastor this, this family as well as his take care of his, his um, child. And um, there's been, I became extremely depressed because of all of what was going on, all the different things. We were moved around a lot. We, we were literally uh, had no place to live. We lost our home. We were put in with families to live with them for long periods of time. Wow. The kind of thing where God provided and he showed himself over and over again, but it was difficult if you were going to be able to eat the next day. I mean, food stamps got involved. You know, we found groceries on our doorstep kind of thing. Um, we had a murder in our family. We, um, I went into severe depression and was wanting to take my life. And then God stepped in and deliver this message of forgiveness to us. And we thought we had forgiven. We thought we had dealt with things, but when he made it clear that we hadn't, and when I chose to forgive as he led, it was a very, a clear protocol he gave us. Then um, I was set free, like depression immediately lifted. And my husband was set free in his experience as well. So we were changed. Our family was changed so much that we decided that it was time to take this message to the world because if this is it's it was so good it was so freeing that more more people need to know what what this treasure is yeah, yeah. and there was a there was probably a year in our of my ministry when i was literally in torment it's the only word i can use for it because the scab from an old wound got nicked out knocked off but yep. and, and you know that means you, you, you <laughs> it's an old thing but it's a new thing and it's all connected in your head and and i'm i'm, I'm in torment but i don't tell tony i don't tell anybody because I'm a pastor, right? Pastors don't have problems. We fix problems. At least that's what we foolishly sometimes think. Yeah. And so uh, it literally took a counselor who has become a dear friend and um, another friend who let me use a lake house uh, to go spend time with God, where God just downloaded that I had not forgiven this particular man. 
and uh, clear communication from God. And when I forgave, all my torment ended. It was gone. And then I shared it with Tony. She got free. We shared it with our kids. They got free. I later helped my dad get free from some things in his heart and his life. And it was out of that that that, that God began working in us. And then we connected with a friend named Bruce Wilkinson, who has um, just encouraged us to leave the Little C Church, go to the Big C Church, and just the, the world is a mess. Go help the church get free. And so yeah. with all that, we just kind of launched in because our life got transformed because we learned to forgive. And then we began helping other people forgive and see their lives transformed instantaneously simply by forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And you guys have some amazing stories that we're definitely going to get into, mm -hmm. but let, let's, let's dig into it a little bit. So what, what is forgiveness? You know, cause I think, I think most of us, especially as kids, forgiveness was like the, you know, that was like the graduation point when you and your siblings got into a fight, right? It's like, right. you're mad at each other. First you say, I'm sorry. And then you say, <laughs> okay, do you forgive your brother? Right. And then it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, I forgive you. And then we kind of know as adults as well, like we, we, we need to forgive. Like Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive others of your sins, your father in heaven will not forgive you of yours. So we kind of know like, okay, I need to forgive. Yes, I forgive you. And I think a lot of people that just means we just put it in the past. We don't talk about it anymore. We don't think about it. We've forgiven them. Um, what, what does forgiveness mean to you? Does that, does that sound about right? Or am I missing some things here? What, uh, how do you guys that, define it? That sounds exactly wrong. Is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it okay, is good. What Thank God. <laughs> it's what we tend to salute for. We say it this way. We tend to salute forgiveness, but we don't actually do it. Yeah. So hmm. our definition of forgiveness is applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I have or will suffer. Mm, Lying oh, the blood wow. of Jesus is payment in full for every wound I have or will suffer. We receive, we get that definition um, based on first John two, two, this says Jesus is the satisfaction, not only for my sins, but also for the sins of the entire world. So every sin that was ever committed, every wound that was ever given by anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place was paid for by Jesus. So when I don't receive his blood as payment, I'm saying his blood is not enough. I demand something more. And so what we do is we encourage people and we help people to forgive the wounds of their life, not just the person. Like if we just say, I forgive my uncle, we really haven't forgiven because Matthew 18 says we need to forgive from our heart. In order to get to our heart, which is where we were wounded, we need to re we need to speak out. We need to talk about. We need to forgive the specific wounds. Jesus Himself said, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." So we need to forgive what people have done, or what mm. they have said, or what they haven't done. Okay, what what would you say to somebody who says, you know, Tony, that sounds great, but if everything's covered by the blood of Jesus, why do I need to talk about what people have done? It's already covered. It's already done with. Why go there in the first place? Because if we just say, I forgive my uncle, give that as an example, we are forgiving. We are staying in our head. And Jesus says to forgive from our heart. Mm. That's where we were wounded. So mm. we have to, we forgive, we, we forgive the specific wounds that so we forgive what people have done to us. It, it won't work. It just won't. Um, for years, I said, I forgive so-and-so, forgive so-and-so. And it was when God revealed to me, I had unforgiveness towards that person. And I sat for a long time and I chose, and I asked the Holy spirit to bring to my mind what it is he wanted me to forgive about that person. All these events came back. These words that were spoken came back. I remembered things, things I had forgotten. 
And so, Lord, I choose right now because forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Jesus didn't feel like forgiving, but I choose to forgive this person for, and I listed the things that they did that hurt me. Huh. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's something, uh, it's, it's pretty deep in this is that we get wounded and we carry those wounds. And one of the problems that I think a lot of people have with their definition of forgiveness and the concept of forgiveness, in fact, we were watching a, a, a forgiveness movie, a movie about forgiveness by a Christian production company. It's all about, you know, and, uh, and it remind, it kind of dawned on me, it reminded me why I really have a little unsettledness or un, just unsatisfied feeling when I watch a movie or I read a lot of comments or a lot of books about forgiveness is they have what I call the insufficient why. Why do we forgive? Well, I forgive because I'm better if I do. It, it helps me, and I'm, you know, which is true. We're tormented. We can talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit, why we're tormented. But we're tormented, so we get free when we forgive. But the real reason we are to forgive is because the blood of Jesus covers what happened. The payment has already been paid. But we're carrying a wound and we're, we're thinking the other person has to do something to satisfy the wound, but the wound has already been paid for by Jesus. So when we don't forgive, we're dishonoring the very sacrifice by which we received our forgiveness and our, res our restoration of relationship with God. That's so good. Yeah, that's really good. It, it's kind of like it, it's already done, right? Like you're partnering yeah. with something that was, you know, initiated thousands of years mm -hmm. ago. And you're just aligning yourself up with it and applying it. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're kind of just jumping on the train while it's in motion, right? Yeah. So, okay. One thing I love about the definition that you said there is it's you're, um, you're releasing or you're, you're applying the payment of Jesus. I'm uh, sorry. I'm going to totally botch this, but I'm going to do you're my good. best here. You go for it. Applying the payment of Jesus to, to the wounds that have already happened and uh, that will happen. You said it's mm -hmm. something to that effect. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I think that's often missing in this conversation as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause, um, and I guess maybe I'll, I'll tack on another question, which is, what does it look like when you have actually forgiven somebody? How, how do you know that you've done that properly? Well, freedom is what happens when you for, totally forget. You will know. And, um, and I think the, the, the reason that we forgive is because of the blood of Jesus, right? It's already been paid. We've said that a couple of times, but we want to keep saying it. And yeah. uh, it's, it's applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. Because when we don't forgive, we're saying it's not enough. Hmm. And according to, very quickly, according to Matthew 18, there's a passage where Peter asked Jesus a question. How many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? And Peter was doubling the maximum the Pharisees said and adding one, <laughs> looking for a pat on the back, right? And Jesus said 70 times seven, which is 490 times which is an unlimited number, right? When you think about it, because if you get into the 460s and you're still counting, you have probably not been forgiving. And so then he says the kingdom of heaven is like, and he, he, whenever he says that, you want to pay attention because he's opening the curtains of heaven and giving us a glimpse as to how God wants things to work. And he gives us a story, a parable to address, to address Peter's question. And the story is this, a ruler came to collect debts from slaves who owed him money or servants who owed him money. And the first slave he owed, the first slave he came to owed him 10,000 talents. And he says, pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Well, I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. Didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for right. time. But the ruler gave him something more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. 
which is a wonderful story. And everybody loves the story. But most people, I didn't for many years till I did a deep dive on the research. We don't know what a talent was worth. A talent was worth 60 mina and a mina was three months wages. So one wow. talent is 180 months wages or 15 years wages for one talent. <laughs> this guy owed 10,000 of them. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. It's Jesus's illustration. I have no idea why that guy owed that much money. But he, he did. <laughs> All right, it's an insurmountable debt. At 50,000 a year, that's $7.5 billion Jeez. that the ruler forgave, which means his net worth dropped by that much and the net worth of the slave came up by that much. So I'm thinking if I'm the slave, I'm in a good mood. Yeah, but he, right. he wasn't. He found a second slave, not someone under his authority, someone along line with him under the same ruler's authority who owed him 100 days wages. That's about 16 grand. That's a manageable debt. Right. And the same appeal. Please give me time. I'll pay it back. But the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. And the ruler summoned him because he heard about it. And he said, you wicked slave, I forgave you that debt because you asked me for mercy. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? Which is a legitimate question. Then it, the text says, and his Lord moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point in the story? He didn't owe the money because if you forgive a debt, you can't re legally reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? Should you not have also shown mercy? He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Wow. And. The tormentor, the torturer in that day, rather, was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Think Braveheart, the guy at the end of the movie. Right. Right. That's a horrific experience. And it's not because he was had a debt. It's because he didn't forgive a debt. Right. Jesus leaves the parable very significant because he's no longer telling a pretend story. He's addressing Peter's question. And he says, my father will do the same to you if each of you, Peter and the other guys, if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. The same what? Well, in the context of Matthew 18, it can't mean anything but hand you over the torturers. <laughs> and that word torturer is also translated torment. It's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. And of the other 17 times, maybe there's one exception. Mm -hmm. But every other time it's used in connection with hell or demonic activity. Huh. What Jesus is literally saying is the, the Father will hand us over to demonic forces to torment us when we don't forgive. And again, it's not because we were wounded. It's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Wow. That's shocking. Yeah. yeah. And, addiction, and it looks like what? Well, torment looks in our world today looks like depression, anxiety, fear, like gripping fear, panic, panic attacks. Um, which I had, it looks like um, all the addictions, whether it's sexual, um, uh, alcohol, Drug. drugs, just all the addictions. Yeah. Um, we've seen anger it issues. anger, yeah, burnt outburst, strong anger. We've seen mm -hmm. it in some physical. So we have had not, not, we are not saying by any means that if you have a physical issue going on, there's unforgiveness related, but if the torment's there in that form, you do. So I recently met with a um, very well-known person and she had a physical issue. I did not even know about it till we were almost done co coaching her and she's, um, a celebrity. Anyhow, she, after she forgave, um, she was just shocked because 
the stuff that she was dealing with, it immediately went away. Like it was gone. It was, it was a big deal. It was gone. Wow. We've had, I had a lady who, who's um, was on the heart transplant list and she had a 20, her heart was operating at 20%. She had a defibrillator and a pacemaker in her. She was 50 years old. And after she forgave some horrific things, she went to her cardiologist for her weekly checkup because she's waiting on a heart. And after all the tests, he tested her a second time. He said, ma'am, I have no idea what's going on, but your heart is now operating at 90%. We're taking you off the transplant list. That was nine years ago and she is still doing well. Yeah, I think wow. and I thought we should tell them about Brad and Lisa. Okay. Yeah, we had a couple come to us. I'm not sure how you heard about us, but they came to our, and at the time we were coaching out of our house, they came into our house and uh, he looked like a beaten puppy. Okay. And she, uh, the way I describe it, it was like she's carrying a 18 inch thick sheet of ice strategically kept between her and him. She was really cold. Hmm. And they came and sat down on the couch and we had a large couch at the time that we were sitting on. And, it, and, and so he sat on this cushion. There was the middle cushion. There was half of the other cushion and there was her. She was as far away <laughs> as she could be from him. Yeah. Wow. And I said, tell us your story. And here's a story about three weeks prior to meeting us. Uh, she caught him and he confessed to a 25 plus hour a week pornography habit. He had his own business. So he had the time. He could control his schedule plus multiple affairs. Mm -hmm. And he had, he had a, an affair with her best, with his wife's best friend and with his best friend's wife and other women, they would go, they would go with him on vacation. Wow. And, and she, prostitutes as well. Yeah, and prostitutes. And she said, I'm not divorcing you because I'm not putting our kids through that, but don't ever touch me again. As far as you and I are concerned, we're over. We're only here for the kids. But don't ever touch me again. Well, a couple, three late days later, I mean, he's broken. This just destroys him, right? And so he's reading the Bible, doesn't even remember what he what he was reading, but it, it just broke him. He ran outside the back door over a hill, set up under a tree, and for two hours, read the Bible. And the, for the first time in his life, even though he was went forward to the youth camp as a kid, first time in his life, he understood the grace of God, and he gave his life to Jesus. He repented. Wow. He went back and told his wife, and she said, that's awesome. Don't ever touch me again <laughs> and somehow he talked her into coming to see us yeah. so we realize that there's a root wound that drives that kind of a, a, a behavior right uh and so we said who wounded you when you were a kid and they kind of looked at each other going did you tell him i didn't tell him who no who wounded you sexually when you were a kid he said my sister well what did your sister do from the time i was six or seven to 11 or 12 she used to molest me and, uh, and and never was repentant and just was abusive. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that explains your near ancestors relationship with your best friend's wife and your wife's best friend and all these other things. You have to forgive your sister. Well, she's not repentant. That's irrelevant. Mm. And so I coached him to forgive his sister. And what happened when I said, let's pray, he got on his knees in front of our coffee table didn't ask him to he just did it on his own she did the same thing on the other side but she kept this big wooden block between us called our <laughs> coffee table right and so <laughs> as he's forgiving his sister she starts weeping uncontrollably and tony goes over and kneels next to her and is holding her i mean she's sobbing yeah and then when he's done forgiving his sister i said you need to forgive yourself because you've wounded yourself in this yeah. And so he forgave himself and 
the other women and other uh, many other things. And when he got radically, free, he got radically free. He got up. I said, "How's your heart?" He goes, "Yeah, it's." I thought it was good, great on the hill, but now this is for. I'm totally free. Huh. So she said, "I don't understand something. What is it you don't understand?" When he was forgiving his sister, I could imagine him as one of my little boys going through, and it broke my heart. But when he forgave himself, I didn't feel anything. I said, is that good or bad? Because I wasn't sure. Yeah. And I said, she said, it's good. Why is it good? Because it's the first time in three weeks I haven't felt pain when I thought about what he did. Because wow. he was repenting. While he was forgiving himself, it was another form of him repenting to her. And so Tony goes, you're not done. So Tony coached her to forgive because what she'd said earlier, we'd not said this. Oh, yeah. She said, I swore I would never become my mom, but I've become my mom because he's become my dad. Well, what does that mean? Well, my dad used to have, be unfaithful to my mom, and he would take me with him as an alibi. Well, what does that mean? Well, he would leave me in the car when he would go inside. And one time I was really young. I had to go to the bathroom. I went and looked in the trying to get in the door and I looked in the window and I saw what they were doing. I swore I'd never let that happen to me. And I've become my mom because he's become my dad. And so she coached her yeah, to forgive. She forgave all of that. Her dad, her mom, herself, her husband, her best friend. all. Mm -hmm. And when she was done, they were done. They were, they got up to the strip to leave. And he's kind of sheepishly because, you know, don't repentant me. people mm -hmm. are always wary of the ones they wounded, Afraid. right? And she said, don't ever touch me, right? And right. they told me later the night before, she said, sweetie, can you pass me the salt at that dinner? And, and she goes, don't read anything into that. That was on habit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was that was what she he walked in. She went over and buried her head in his chest for about 45 seconds to a minute mm -hmm. wow. and just hugged on him. They left. They're driving back home. He said she reached over, he reached over to grab her hand, hoping she would take it. He did, she didn't take it. She unbuckled her seatbelt and snuggled over next to him. He said, I almost wrecked the truck. Oh, wow. And we saw him a month later. Oh no, yeah, about a month later. Yeah. And they were radically free. And that still was 2009, are. and they're still free. Yeah, because we've seen him since then. Yeah. And and he got free. He, and his, his addiction. His stopped. pornography addiction stopped that day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because the wound that was driving the torment, the torment was gone. Yeah, the wound was forgiven, so there was no need to satiate any pain anymore. It, yeah. was, it was gone. Because the torment's a discipline. Yeah. It's yeah. a discipline. That's the strong. God is bringing a discipline a into us. And with God, if when, when the discipline accomplishes its goal, which is always repentance, always aligning our thinking up with how God sees it. And when that is accomplished, the discipline ends. Hmm. So the bigger question becomes why? Why does God discipline unforgiveness as harshly? Because I think it's the most harshly disciplined sin a believer can commit. There's nothing else he says I'm handing you over the tormentors for. And I think the reason is because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. You can't cut the gospel anywhere it doesn't believe forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Luke 24, he says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day so that, and that so that's a purpose clause, which means what proceeds is not the main goal. It's the means to the main goal. And as big of a deal as the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's not the main goal. The main goal is that forgiveness Repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. Yeah. Wow. And, wow. And, and when we don't forgive, we're saying, as Tony was saying earlier in, in, in 1 John, the blood of Jesus covers all sin. And so when we're saying God may forgive and I won't, we're saying the blood may satisfy God for what they did, but I need something more. And God yeah. will not tolerate the crowning achievement of his son being devalued 
by the ones he cheated for. But the moment we forgive, we get free. The blood of Jesus covers all sin, including the ones that wounded me. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's such a big deal. That's a lot. It, but anyhow, a, no, we, we, a, we just gave you about a, a forty-five minute sure. message right there. <laughs> that was a master class. That was amazing. Well, it, it's really cool. I mean, I share about this in my program, but you know, for me, the the nail in the coffin for my recovery from a porn addiction was forgiving my mom, and it it wasn't even forgiving her for anything terrible that she did. It was just a dynamic that mm-hmm. I sure. identified as a kid, just feeling neglected by her. She was a bit of a timid personality. She didn't actually neglect me, you know, but it was just a perception I had as a kid and it drove, you know, my behavior, watching pornography and all that, trying to get those needs met and um, and forgiving her. I, I can still remember walking out and feeling the tangible difference, you know, thoughts may be coming in still, but like it was just like bouncing off because I was in control again, you know. So awesome. I guess I'm, yeah, so I, I'm really resonating with the story here and, and what you guys are talking about. Um, a, a lot of people will kind of set set things up like, you know, maybe someone like Brad's story, they hear, oh my gosh, you know, molested at a young age and it went on for six years. So, you know, forgiveness is a process. They'll kind of try to frame it so that people don't get too attached to sort of the instantaneous thing. Um, but right. you guys are, cl- are clearly of a very different opinion here. Yep. Why? Why is that? Why? Why is it that things can happen in an instant? And maybe even, um, if you're willing, what would be the detriment of expecting this to be a long, drawn out process? What do you mean by the detriment to being long drawn? Well, out I process? think yeah. What she means is what's what's why would be pro- why would be wrong or be a problem to have a long process? The question I would I always respond to with that is how long does it take for someone to go from darkness into light when they put their faith in Jesus? Right. Yeah. Instantaneous, right? And yep. so if, and, and we say forgiveness is not a process. Hmm. It's a transaction. Yep. It's we a transaction. It. And we only have to do it one time. Yeah. I mean, hmm. it, it feels like a process. I get it. I mean, buying a house, people think is a process, but it really isn't a process. It's a transaction. You meet in a closing attorney's office and you sign documents, they sign documents, money is exchanged, titles are exchanged, and you now have a house. But it happened then. It's a transaction. It's applying the blood of Jesus. It's saying this payment has been paid. So it it happens quickly because the discipline ends. It's just God says no more. The torment weeks and we've witnessed torment leaving people like really seen it. Not always mm-hmm. is it visible, but sometimes it is. But when people forgive, the Bible says this, we believe that and it happens. We have a 95% breakthrough rate with anybody we meet with. We meet with them one time. It's extended two, three, four hours. Our longest was nine hours. Wow. And um, but when they are done there, it's finished. It really hmm. that's what Jesus says. He's it was it is finished. Now, if they wake up the tomorrow morning and they're feeling a little bit, you know, unsettled and things aren't quite right, most likely it's the enemy trying to draw them back into remembering and, and un like repenting from their forgiveness. And so we will give them some tools on how to deal with that um, because sometimes the enemy wants to draw us back into, well, you didn't forgive this or you for, really, you think you can forgive that. And, um, but it, it, it really is, it's, it's instantaneous. The freedom is it's people will just, they'll be blown away every time, every time. The only the 5%, by the way, that don't get free are those people who refuse to forgive. They're right. the people that don't believe. Uh, that's nice. Tell great stories, but I'm not doing that. And they will. Yeah. And it's, okay. I get Jesus's blood, but they got to do something too. Yeah. It's Jesus. Yeah. Plus, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think the other, 
respond I want to give to that is that in the same way, salvation is instantaneous, but it takes a while to learn to live out the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sometimes we have to keep being reminded and we have, that we have we have spiritual muscle memory, right? right? So I go back to this deal. I had a guy that was addicted to cocaine and we met with him one time. He got deep wounds and he got, he got radically, he tried everything, he got radically free. He had one slip up later and he called me and I said, oh, you forgot you forgave that. Oh yeah. That's not who you are. That's not, you're not an addict. You're not, that's not who God made you to be. You're different. So you, you can live differently than that. And so I just helped him understand who who he was in Christ, how to abide, how to change his focus on what that happened and to his focus on what Jesus did and keep his mind on Christ. And that's where their freedom comes. So after our session, what they need is someone just to mentor them in reality of who Christ is in them. Yeah. And that, that same person ended up going and getting his bachelor's master's and um, doctorate in theology. And he's been through all of our training that wow. all happened since that moment. He's not yeah. turned back. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm curious. So I guess one other side of this question. So maybe there's not like, there's a little bit of sort of walking it out afterwards. Is there such a thing as um, the right timing leading up to it? Because I, I would imagine that God's been doing things in people's hearts. Maybe he's hardening their hearts in some cases before they see you. And other times he's maybe loosening the ground. But I know we've certainly seen that where it's like you can you can clearly tell that that God was actually setting them up for these some of these moments of forgiveness. Do you guys witness that in what you do? Is is every time the right time? Or yeah. you know what you know what I'm asking? Like I, I guess yeah. I'm just curious. Like, yeah. does that play into I, it at all? I, I, I ask people, is every time the right time to have someone come to faith? Yes. Is and I often ask people, are you enjoying your torment? Yeah. They're like hesitant. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and we have to get multiple stories with that, but that it, if you notice that they're in torment, I think you have an assignment. In fact, that's the last part of our of our ministry is not only to for us to help, but coach people how to recognize unforgiveness in someone's life. How to help others and how to help them forgive too and help them yeah. experience the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. Do you want to tell which one? I don't even know which. Well, like one story that comes to me is um, a lady in Israel. We were over working in Israel and she tell me, she came up to me and she said, I got to tell you my forgiveness story. I just met her. She's brand new. She's 76 years old. She's from Holland. She was in Israel to raise Arab orphans to bring them to Jesus. So she fostered Arab orphans, about 35 of them. And 18 months prior to my meeting her, she was on a bus. That's the mode of transportation there. And she got on a bus to go to the grocery store. She was sitting in the middle of the bus where the the middle door is. It's all glass. And two Arab men got on the bus, which was not unusual. One of them went to the front of the bus and the second one went across the aisle from her. Mm -hmm. So here she was sitting there waiting for the bus to go. And all of a sudden the guy in the front, he got up, he turned around, he yelled something and began shooting. And the guy across the aisle from her jumped on her and began to stab her. And so she was stabbed five times. She couldn't breathe. Her lungs were collapsing. Her arm was really wounded deeply and she was bleeding out. And by the time the guy with the gun got past her, she was like, Lord, I need help. Help me. Help me. Do I try and get out of this bus? In the meantime, when he had shot out, by the way, the door next to her, all the glass had been broken out. So many people died on that bus. So she um, decided it's what can it hurt? I need to try and get out of here. So she stumbled through the door, through the broken glass and got on the street and she cried out to the Lord. And she said, God, save me, help me, send someone to help me. And she said, as clear as I am standing here talking to you, Tony, I heard God say this, I will 
help you. I will send someone to help you, but I will not send someone to help you until you forgive the man that just tried to take your life. Wow. And she's like, okay, so there's not any working up to this. There's not any waiting on this. It's not like me being ready for this. I am dying right now. And you're asking me to forgive. But she was so in tune with the Lord. She knew that was him. And so she just followed in obedience to that. And she forgave this man that just tried to kill her. As soon as she did, a Mercedes pulled up with a Jewish man in it who got out, took his shirt off, wrapped her arm, got her in his car, took her to the hospital. They got her on a gurney. She turned back to thank this man and there was no one there. And she was blown away. Um, she went on to heal faster than anybody else in the whole incident. And she actually tested out her freedom by getting on that same bus four months later when she was going back to the store, sat in the same seat to test her freedom. But it wasn't a working up to, I may get ready to forgive sometime. No, she knew it needed to be done immediately. And that's what scripture talks about. Even Stephen, he was, he forgave immediately as yeah. he was being stoned. That's so right. to be ready, um, I would say that the people we meet with, God has already convicted them, or they're in such crisis, there's, they're at the bottom, there's nowhere else to turn. They need, they need help. Like they need, nothing but, else has worked. But we've also helped people. Uh, oh, on the street. Waffle House, on the street. I mean, yeah, sure. mm-hmm. a couple in San Francisco that was not ready to forgive and they did. God opened up the door. We've helped people yeah, in lots of places. So, and we have lots of stories with that. So it's, it, it's always the right time to find freedom. Mm-hmm. It's always the right and to time represent to find freedom. Jesus. And it's always the right time to point people to the cross. It's never a price. You never say, oh, we'll talk about the cross tomorrow. No, let's just take people to the cross because it's only in the cross that they find freedom. Yeah, that's good, guys. That's really good. So, okay, what about the other side of this? So um, let's say somebody goes, yeah, but if I forgive this person, they're getting off scot-free you know they like they don't get anything but i guess the five percent or whatever it Mm -hmm. is who are like no way like that's great it's jesus plus like you're saying Uh, in our community we kind of draw a a line between restoration and reconciliation and so we talk about how we are fully responsible for our restoration that's why we forgive we can't control reconciliation and what happens in the relationship with somebody else or that kind of thing are you guys of that opinion or how would you how would you address that kind of subject a a lot of people make the mistake of thinking forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing they are not Hmm. because we talked about earlier in the first john pass he paid for before the foundation of the world ephesians tells us jesus made the decision to forgive us so we are forgiven way before we repent but we're not reconciled so there's a difference between Forgiveness and reconciliation, because reconciliation requires two parties to do two things. The one who's been wounded forgives. The one who did the wounding repents. What I did was wrong. I used to think it was okay. Now I know it was wrong. And so what can I do to make it right? right? But God always calls a wounded party to forgive first. We can talk along about that a lot, but he always calls it to forgive first because that's what he did. And so we come to the table, we're sitting at the table, we, we're, it's a, an amazing table with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit already there, it's just us, and the, we don't go tell them we've forgiven, we let the Holy Spirit draw them in, and this person comes and says, what I did was wrong, what can I do to make it right, at which point the person who's forgiven has already forgiven, says, thank you very much, but our great brother Jesus, he's already paid for it, enjoy the appetizers, they're amazing, there's no calories, it's heavenly food, that's right, so reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same thing, but God always calls me to forgive. And in my forgiveness, I'm reconciled with God. Hmm. And if they're not reconciled with God, it's a small thing to not be reconciled to you, but it's better to be reconciled with God 
and let God deal with bringing that person to the table, then you worrying about all that, just come sit at the table and enjoy. So we talk, we tell people, don't go tell that person you've forgiven them. We are not of the opinion that you go to someone and say, I've forgiven you, because that's just a (laughs) manipulative ploy most of the time um, to get them to try and repent. And so what we suggest is, well, what we say is forgiveness is between us and God. It's in prayer form. We go, we walk, we teach, we actually coach people through some certain protocols, um, specific protocols. And then we tell them just to wait on God, to move in that person's heart, to bring them to repentance. And trust him that he will move. You're out of the way now. He's got you where he wants you. You're enjoying the appetizers. And, but you wait on him to move in that person's heart. We've seen this in my life and so many people's lives. So um, the most recent was one, I was coaching a lady um, who forgave her husband for a bunch of stuff. He had, there was ex-husband. He left her four years prior and um, she didn't say a word to him. And she actually hasn't talked to him in a very long time. A week after or 10 days after she forgave, he got she received a phone call from him out of the blue. And he said, I need to talk to you. So they met at a local restaurant. She'd not talked to him in hardly at all in four years. And so um, she said, why are we meeting? What's going on? He said, I'm just really convicted. I needed to make it right with you. And he divulged a lot of the sin he had lived with his whole life Mm -hmm. as he was married to her over 40 years. And he asked her forgiveness for what he did to her. Um, and then he, it was, he blessed her and he, he said, I know that I don't have to pay alimony anymore, but I know you need the money. So I'm going to continue paying alimony. Wow. That'll happen without her saying a word. And now this is right. not unusual. We see this all the time. Yes. So we, we tell people just wait on God to bring them to repentance and move in their heart. And when you see that happen, you know, God is at work. It's beautiful. Wow. That's amazing. I, I mentioned to you guys in my ministry school, forgiveness was, you know, they spent a whole section on it. Mm-hmm. And we, we would see this. We would literally see people, students would forgive in session and then their phones would ring from yes. their estranged parents oh, or that kind of thing. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. So it's really cool. Because the Holy Spirit's active in that and he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's it's a lot so better awesome. at it than we are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. If somebody's listening to this and they're, maybe they're saying, okay, you guys, you got, you got me, you know, I think, I think that there may be some unforgiveness here that I need to address and I need to, to kind of go after, but the only framework maybe they have is the forgiveness of the person by name, not necessarily mm-hmm. the actions. Right. What would be a good starting point? Well, the, I'll just give you our quickly, if that's okay, our five protocols. Please. And by the way, that your audience, um, members can go to our website at forgivingforward.com and on the homepage, uh, if they scroll down just a little bit, there is a link there for uh, get the forgiveness guide and they can receive these um, emailed to them. Amazing. Yeah, we'll um, put that link in the show notes. Okay, perfect. So anyhow, the first protocol is thank God for forgiving you. We need to get a heart, our heart in the right place and attitude of gratitude before we move forward into forgiving. And when we recognize just how, uh, valuable his forgiveness of us and what he did for us is it, it puts us in the right place. So we spend some time just thanking Christ for his sacrifice, his bloodshed, um, his life given and his forgiveness. Um, so we just spend some time doing that first. The second protocol we have found, and this is all God given. I won't give the backstory of that now for time's sake, but the second one is we need to repent of our own unforgiveness because we're in this place because we haven't forgiven. So we spend a little time confessing our sin of unforgiveness, repenting of that, recognizing that when we don't forgive, we are 
well, Hebrews 10 says we're stomping on the on Christ's blood. And so we are saying his blood is not enough. So we need to clean our pipe, so to speak, so we can hear clearly from God and get that that resolve before we move forward. And we have the authority then to forgive. So mm-hmm. we, th- we, and we actually gain access to the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. At that point, because mm-hmm. if if you've got unforgiveness, there's a block. I don't think you can officially effectively abide okay, and yeah. walk in the spirit if you've got a tormentor working with you. There's yeah. a conflict there. So you get the tormentor gone, then you can actually hear from the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Then the third protocol, as we call it, is um ask, ask, God, ask God, who do yeah. I forgive and for what? And again, we don't forgive people, we forgive but women. We ask God to tell us. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And what's interesting, I'll say this, and I'll drop this in here, is that we've coached hundreds and hundreds of couples in crisis, some already divorced, many on their way to divorce, crazy stuff God's done in healing their freedom. A hundred percent of the time, it's never not been the case. The wound that's causing the torment, that's driving the conflict in the relationship, predate the couple ever meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> so you want to know the root wound and those root wounds are normally buried. I mean, it's so often people will mm-hmm. in the middle after they forgive. I haven't thought about that in years. So how do you get to the root? Well, you don't think about it. You don't have to think, what do we do? Don't have the 20 questions. and all that stuff. You. It's ask the Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive and what? God, mm-hmm. who do you want me to forgive and what did they do? And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, if oftentimes we'll do take the, uh, we'll take history before we'll talk to them. They'll tell us your story. When I hear the story, it'll take a while to get the story. And when we say, okay, who does God want you to forgive now? We pray the prayer. Who does God, what's the first name, first face? So often it's not anybody we've talked about yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so if you're asking the Holy spirit to, to, to put a light and reveal. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we say that we say, Holy spirit, would you please bring a name or a face to this person's mind or their heart? And we give, we let silence speak. Silence valuable. We we let the Holy Spirit talk. We listen, and it's it's just fun to see the the person. You know, whoa! I just saw this person, or I just heard this name. So we go with it, even if it doesn't make any sense. We believe that that's who God sent. So we go with it, yeah. and then we go into protocol number four, which we call is the forgiveness protocol, where we say, "From my heart, Lord, I choose to forgive this person for," and we list the wounds, everything the Holy Spirit brings to our mind. And when we, we we continue doing that, we'll say, Lord, is there anything else? And we'll wait and listen. If there's nothing else, then we end that protocol by saying, I declare this person is no longer in my debt. I transfer mm-hmm. all of their debt, all of their sin, all of the wounds against me to the cross where Jesus paid it all. Mm-hmm. And that's when we know we have forgiven when we've, when we've completed that now. And when we get to protocol five, which is the last protocol in this forgiveness process for today, um, which is we need to bless the person. We ask God to bless the person that we have just forgiven, because if you can't bless someone, you've not truly forgiven them. So sometimes we're at this point and somebody will say, well, I don't know what to bless them with. I can't do this. Then we'll know there's, they've missed something. We need to go back. Right. But if they can, then we just, God, would you please bless my uncle again, by doing this, this, this for them. Would you provide that? Would you, whatever it is. And we, many times we find if you forgive them in the area in which they wounded you, it's really powerful. So if someone stole money from you, God, would you please bless them financially? Would you bless their their job? Or if they, you know, we, we connect those and we see great power in that as well. So when we get done with the blessing, that's when the torment leaves 
and we we let the we want the encourage the blessing to go on for a little bit, not just one sentence, but go yes. on for a little bit. Yeah, not yeah. world and peace. I mean specifically, specifically what you yeah. to do for them. Right? And your blessing exactly. from your heart. You're really truly and many times we don't even need to ask people to do this. They just kind of roll right into it and they'll say things like um, wow, I see now what caused them to do what they did. My heart goes out to them. I can see how they were wounded and what happened in their lives. And, and so, Lord, would you please set them free? Would you, we just, it just evolves. And empathy actually. And empathy comes. Comes into it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. that And it, it's a cool litmus test, isn't it? For whether the other steps have taken place yeah. is how well someone can engage in that process of blessing. Because I know I've had, I had an incident recently where I was like, yeah, I felt okay. I feel like I've kind of forgiven the person. And then I was I was catching myself in those thoughts of like, oh, I hope they get theirs, you know, that kind of thing. And I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, okay, never yeah, mind. Nope, yeah, still some yeah, work to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so that, that kind of segues me into my last question for you guys, which is um, there's always this danger. Like I always feel, you know, for me, being the guy who helps guys with porn addiction, that, um, you know, I'm, I would say I'm particularly guarded because I want to really protect my marriage and everything else. And I, I really, I don't believe in a huge thing of like, oh, there's all this attack because you stepped out into it. I think God protects me all the more because he's called me into this. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'm curious for you guys. I imagine from time to time, you'd have to forgive one another in your marriage. Oh, sure. And when you have an understanding of forgiveness like this, I'm just curious what it looks like. I, I That's really all it is. It's not a pointed question, but what does it look oh, like for okay, you guys to walk in okay. forgiveness in your well, lives with it, one another? We're still breathing, so we still wound each other. It's, you know, and not just each other, but we get wounded, we, we by, get wounded others. by others. And uh, I, I jokingly say that we have to forgive everything. It's an occupational hazard. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's what we do. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's... The thing that I think has helped me the most is... Um, to recognize that I'm dead in, you know, I, I died, I die daily. Paul says I've been crucified with Christ. I am dead and dead. People don't get wounded. Dead people don't get offended. And a friend, mm. our friend, Mike Wells used to say, uh, it's a sin to be offended. So if you don't want to be offended and God will let you be offended until you can't be offended anymore. So if you don't want to be offended, just stop being offended. You know, just you're, dead. Don't, don't, you're dead. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've just learned to quickly move into forgiveness in our own. And I think we do it separately. And then we we talk. Now, when you're married, you have to have more interaction and conversation than you would in this reconciliation piece with yes. others because right. you're one. Yes. Right. There's a different dynamic. We're not two people. We're one, even yes. though we have two expressions. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a whole different conversation on a whole other website or, 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 or podcast about marriage we could do at some point. <laughs> but uh but but it's it's mm -hmm. you just learn that we're better. I'm better. We're better when I don't carry offenses. Right. And yeah. so the quick way to whatever she did, it wasn't OK. But Jesus paid for it. And I love her. And Jesus loved me when I was not right. And so if I want God to relate right with me, I better relate right with her, because that's what the Lord's Prayer actually tells us to pray. God, use my standard. And dealing with the people who me as the ones you use to relate to me. So that's it's yeah. Keep keep short accounts. Yeah, we there's a couple of key things we remember quickly. It's just become a um, they're just it's like our language around the house. Um, one is um, give your spouse permission to blow it. Give them permission to be wrong. Give them permission to not do it right recognizing you don't either. So it's just mm. when something doesn't go the way I want it to ever, it's like, I, I'll wait a minute. He's got my permission to, to not, how did we say it exactly? To, to, yeah, not, just, yeah, to, be, wrong, to be wrong, to be wrong. That's what it is. He yeah. has permission to be wrong. Yeah. And yeah. so just, that's okay. 
Um, another phrase we use is, well, amen. That's a mm-hmm. phrase we use all the time. <laughs> so any any response, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, it's a, a way of our hearts yielding to the Lord. I know you'll use this, Lord, in however way you want to in my life. So, well, amen. I, I yield myself to yeah. this pain, this thing, it's whatever it is. Of course, we forgive those protocols. We do use those on a regular basis whenever we're wounded. But we have found that when you deal with the root wounds of your life, the little things just don't hurt anymore. It's like yep. the wound is healed. So you don't have those little bumps. You don't, I'm less sensitive than I used to be because I've forgiven the deep wounds of my life. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're, and I think you're what one, one pastor that we taught uh, and we taught this whole idea because the th- six and seventh protocol one is how to deal with the moon. Remember, I specifically remember forgiving that when the memory comes back and I bless and I, and I, I, uh, I thank God for the freedom and I bless again. And then the seventh protocol is make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. It's the way we live. Everything yeah. has already been forgiven. So yes. this pastor was talking, kind of summing it up the next week. And he said, I wish I had a debit card that I could just swipe in the air, a forgiveness debit card. It's already been filled. It's already paid. It's paid for. It's paid for. And the next week, one of his parishioners came in with a stack of them to hand out the church, you know, <laughs> that, so that anything happened. And I guess he told me later they had a issue going on in a congregational meeting and he goes okay everybody pull out your card yeah the air. <laughs> it's all been card. forgiven right it's all <laughs> paid, paid. Full. it's paid it's paid there's nothing left to pay yeah in a wow. marital relationship too though if he wounds me most of the time if i'm got my mind about me and if i ask what it, what it reveals to me is that i must have done something that made him feel disrespected so sometimes i'll ask him did I, are you feeling disrespected by something i've done recently Right. Turn that around. If I wound him, he'll come to me. It happens. We do this where he'll say it um, or he'll actually realize that I must need my love tank filled. So my reaction to this or what, whatever I've done is just a fruit of me not feeling loved. So he will do something to make that to make that fill up yeah. in me. So yeah. it's just it's kind of like a red flashing light that, OK, he needs respect or I need love. That's kind of why we're having this struggle right now. So we forgive yeah. what happened to us and we, we give it to the cross. Jesus, you be my respect. You be my love. And then I say, what, Jesus, would you be my love for her today? Would you be my, mm-hmm. uh, just, just love her through me. I can't, I'm, I'm a little bit angry, a little bit hurt. I, but so you, I can't, can you just love her through me? She needs that. So please. And that's, mm-hmm. so it just, you shift the mind off of you mm-hmm. onto the cross and onto what God wants you to do in someone else's life. It's yeah. all, that's always where freedom yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Guys, this has been so rich. I feel like I could ask you another 20 questions here. Thank you for your time <laughs> well, and your wisdom. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, we'll do a deep dive uh, on the next one. But for people who want to connect with you guys in the meantime, what's the best way for them to do that? Just go to our website at w, well, forgivingforward.com. No problem. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, 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 and there's resources on there you can get. Uh, uh, we have a book that's out there. We have a video, there's a, a, a course that's on there uh, that we're actually about to release a new one soon, but it's not out there yet. But the one that is on there has been used in 20 plus prisons in Alabama for several years. Uh, wow. It's It's been used all over the world and a lot of people get free. So it's the basic core training for them. And okay. uh, yeah. yeah, or give us a call or yeah. shoot us or, an email. Yeah, we'd love to help coach somebody if you need it. We'd sometimes do it with Zoom and mm-hmm. we have coaches around the country that we're training and developing to help people find the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. Amazing. Bruce and Tony, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Love being with you. Yes, thank you for having us. 
Wow. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I took a lot of weight out of that interview. After I hit record and finished up with them, I just thought, man, I, I got some work to do. Um, so that was really convicting for me and just really rich. And I hope you found the same thing. And I want to really encourage you guys. Um, you know, what we offer here is a sliver of what is out there. There are so many gifted teachers, valuable resources, and I don't want you to miss out on any of them. So we put their website in the show notes. It's just forgivingforward.com, but that's going to give you access to blogs, uh, their book, a bunch of resources. And then if you want to take the next step and get some coaching with them, or you want to become a coach, you want to get certified in what they do and help other people get these kinds of breakthroughs that they were talking about, there's all kinds of avenues for you to do that. And it all happens at forgivingforward.com. And I also want to encourage you if you felt convicted in this episode and maybe you're feeling like, huh, you know, I think I still have some work to do. Go grab your journal. Um, start talking to the Holy Spirit a little bit. Ask him not just to point out the people you need to forgive. You might know that. But make sure you ask him to list what you are forgiving for. That was a really good nugget that they included there when they were talking about their process. And then just go through the the elements of releasing them, of, of releasing their debt, saying you owe me nothing, and then reaching that place where you're able to bless them, to restore them, and to, to legitimately want the best for them in all areas of their life, but especially the areas where you've been wounded. That was one of my personal favorite takeaways from this interview. So um, I encourage you guys, take some action on this and you'll begin to see changes in your life. And in the meantime, I want to thank you guys for listening. I wish you an incredible day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.